and welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy rewatch podcast. I'm Stephanie Chow, pronouns she, her. I'm Kara Babcock, pronouns she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. So whether you're watching for the first time, or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thank you for listening. Now, on to the episode. The Buffy Fandom on Trial. Ooh, we've been waiting for this one, haven't we, Kara? We talked about this, I think, back in season four. I think we were saying, like, we need to do another on trial. What's it going to be? And then I think it was you who said, we should do the fandom because I was bitching about something that happened to me online. And then we're like, we need to do the fandom. And then we need to invite somebody who knows way more about the fandom than we do. And we have him here today. Please. <laughs> Introduce yourself, our special guest star. Hi, I'm Ian Carlos Crawford. Here he is. <laughs> For anybody who doesn't recognize that name and that voice, uh, who are you and what's your connection to the Buffy fandom? <laughs> I don't want to like shamelessly promo. I was like, do I say I'm the host of Slayer Fest 98? Do. I don't know. We want uh, yes. yeah, so I'm the host of Slayer Fest 98, um, a queer pop culture Buffy and Marvel focused podcast um, and co-host of a horror podcast called My Bloody Judy. Um, and yeah, lifelong Buffy stan. You listeners previously heard Ian on another bonus episode where we did a table reading of Fear Itself. Yes, that was fun. And we've done uh, Instagram Lives with Ian. And um, oh, yeah. be before we even started the podcast and I, I was doing some uh, research into the competition. No, more so just what else is out there. And Slayer Fest is top three, like, t I don't know, number one. I don't know. But you were, <laughs> you're a very well-known Buffy Thank podcaster. You. <laughs> I appreciate that. The community knows who you are. The Buffy fandom obviously knows your name and they've listened and tuned into you for years now. Like how long has it been since you started the podcast? Oof. So seven or eight years. I think it'll be yeah. eight in March. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you're, you're, you're an old timer in this <laughs> fandom. So. <laughs> so how long have you been a fan of Buffy and... What kind of experiences have you had that have shaped your participation in fandom? Have you been to conventions? I know, you know, previously you've worked as kind of a journalist in this space. What have you done? What have you seen? Um, so, yeah, I started my mom was the big Buffy fan in the house um, and she's the one that actually got me into the show. Um, and I was like that nerd that I was like, oh, that show seems stupid because I was like reading comic books and those are the cool nerdy things to do. Um, and then I remember the like literally the first scene I ever saw was. I walked into the kitchen. My mom was like on like at the time, like a little box TV that we had in the kitchen. She's crying at the kitchen table because Buffy had to stab Angel and it was the end of Becoming Part 2. Mm. And that was like the first scene I ever watched. Whoa. And yeah, I remember just being like, oh, wait, this this seems like pretty intense. Like, oh, <laughs> she's a really good actor. Like, this is sad. And my mom just like sobbing, telling me I don't understand how sad it is. Um, and then, yeah, I kind of... I got into it in season three, but when they delayed the finale, I kind of fell out of it because I thought I just missed it. And I was like, oh, well, I don't want to like continue watching until I catch up. And then once I found out Willow was gay, I was like, okay, wait, I don't care if I catch up. I need to go back to the show. <laughs> um, and yeah, f season five and on is when I started taping every episode on VHS tape. 
Um, and I had like drawers full of them. Like I had to get rid of mm. sweaters to fit them in my drawers as a teen. <laughs> um, yeah, and I've been to a couple of conventions. Um, I've been to San Diego Comic Con. Uh, I've been to. I, I live near Philly. They used to do a Wizard World every year. Um, I've been to New York Comic Con a couple times. And when I interned at BuzzFeed, the first person I ever interviewed was Amber Benson at Comic Con. And I was so nervous. And she was such a fucking delight. She was just as nice as you would think Amber Benson would be, that she absolutely is that. <laughs> yeah, and you just had her on your podcast again, right? Yes, yes, to talk about uh, Slayers. Perfect. So everyone has to go to Slayer Fest and check that out. Yeah, so we're so delighted to have you here because, you know, neither Steph nor I have been to Buffy conventions or or really any kind of convention in general. Have you been to a convention, Steph? I go to Fan Expo in Toronto, so it's not like okay, Buffy specific, but like yeah. I've, I've been to them. I've been around that those kind of settings before. Yeah, so like before we started Prophecy Girls, I wouldn't have described myself as being involved in Buffy fandom. Um, obviously I, I've been a Buffy fan for years, but there's very few like fandom spaces, even online that I've spent a lot of time in, uh, really only just like Star Trek and Doctor Who, and then a little bit of like Supergirl via Twitter fandom. So like, I'm aware of fandoms in general, but I'm less tapped into what's going on in Buffy fandom. So it's nice that we've have we have all these perspectives. Um, but this is actually the most meta episode we might have done, especially for our on trial series of bonus episodes, because Prophecy Girls, as has been pointed out to us, is actually part of the fandom and actually influencing fandom because we're part of what's called participatory culture. And we had one of our listeners, Natalia, wrote an, an undergraduate essay that featured like was talking about Buffy fandom and, and, and featured a discussion involving Prophecy Girls and uh was building on the work of Anne Korfmacher talking about how podcasts are participatory culture because um, you have you know fans talking about their media. And, and we as podcasters are these prosumers who are producing content in addition to consuming it. So I think it's interesting how like with Prophecy Girls, not only am I in the fandom, but I'm also actually like shifting attitudes about fandom and the show. And I'm just like, oh, this is it. So so we are also on trial here. Yeah, we are trialing ourselves. But jail. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, Ian. <laughs> um, but yeah, quick shout out to Natalia. I did read your essay. I was impressed with myself for reading it. And the fact that you <laughs> took screenshots of like our Instagram and everything. You're very thorough. I hope you got you know, 50 out of 50 or whatever, <laughs> however they mark uh, essays nowadays. Uh, but uh, to learn that our contribution as podcasters, including you, Ian, our contribution to the fandom can be at the level that we're doing it. And we didn't even plan that. You know what I mean? Like, we're just we're like, let's start a podcast. And then it turns out that you are influencing uh, parts yeah. of the fandom by just by simply doing that. It's pretty astounding. And it's, it's awesome to be recognized for that. So... I'm excited to get into this conversation purely because it's like, wow, I found myself part of something big that wasn't ever planned, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into it. Um, this is hopefully obvious, but as with our other bonus episodes, this is not spoiler free. <laughs> so anything Buffy, Angel, whatever related might come up. So if you are haven't seen all of Buffy or if you really don't want Angel spoilers, right, just be aware. 
It's not like our regular episodes. And it's been a while since we've done an on-trial episode. So just a mm-hmm. reminder that uh, we will be bringing evidence from the fandom, from our listeners, and from Ian in into the conversation. We are the judge. We are the the lawyers. <laughs> we're we're the bailiffs. We're everything. Uh, basically, the, that's the structure of which we're going to base this discussion around. And then at the end, we're going to come to some sort of verdict about what we mm. finally think about the fandom. Are we ready for the official charges? Wait, I want to say that as as you both were doing this wonderful intro, I'm like, oh God, we're all going to get so many people mad at us in comments over this. <laughs> Good. It was like this feeling sunk in finally. And I was like, crap. No. <laughs> that means we're doing something right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> the charges against the Buffy fandom are One count that fandom can foster toxic behavior like harassment, sexism, etc. targeted towards other fans or even cast and crew of the show. And one count that fandom creates echo chambers where like-minded fans reinforce problematic opinions instead of engaging in open-minded discussion and critique. And in addition to these charges, before we dive into it and start presenting the prosecution's case, I just want to put one more disclaimer up top. Uh, We all love Buffy, obviously. We love the Buffy fandom. We are a part of it. We aren't here trying to say fandom is always bad, um, but we are here to call out problematic parts of the fandom, just like we do with the show. Uh, And it's not about saying, you know, this one particular aspect of the fandom is the worst thing ever, right? We are going to criticize a bunch of the fandom, but it, it, it's there's a lot of nuance here, right? If we're criticizing something and you're like, I think they're talking about me. Well, you have some self-reflection to do. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it probably is then. Um, <laughs> well done. God. Thanks, Cara. Yeah. So so let's, let's dive in. I know a, that first, what we kind of want to go into is what fandom is in general. And I know that, Cara, you've done your research. I know half of our listeners just fainted in disbelief that you and I went out of our way to do research for something. But Cara wants to talk about the origins of fandom. Well, it wouldn't be a Prophecy Girls episode without... History with Kara. <laughs> Indeed. Um, yeah, so I was curious. I'm like, this idea of fandom, like, where did it come from? And actually, the Buffy fandom is not by far the earliest fandom, but certainly it has its place in this history. But we got to go way back. First off, the term fan, I think most people know. Fan is short for fanatic. I did not There's know There's a that. reason for that. So we are all fanatics of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Sports fandom is probably the most ancient form of fandom. And if you go all the way back to Steph, Ian, how often do you think of the Roman Empire? Mm, Every day. (laughs) I'm not straight, so I don't think of it. (laughs) (laughs) As a straight person, every day. (laughs) Also valid answer, Ian. Good job. Um, The Roman Empire actually had very early fandoms for chariot racing. Um, there were four color-themed chariot racing teams, the reds, whites, greens, and blues. And, and, you know, this is going back to this idea of bread and circuses, you know, chariot races, as well as gladiator battles, often using enslaved people, um, was a way of distracting the masses and keeping them placated. And people were obsessed with their color, and it got, like, super political. 
Fast forward to late 19th century, and basically what I could find is the first widely accepted modern fandom is Sherlock Holmes. People were obsessed with Sherlock Holmes when Arthur Conan Doyle was publishing the Sherlock Holmes stories. Um, There was Sherlock Holmes fanfic as early as 1897. (laughs) Were they shipping Holmes and Watson? I don't know, but I hope so. (laughs) Um, And then, spoiler for Sherlock Holmes, if you haven't read it, Arthur Conan Doyle killed off Sherlock Holmes, famously. Yeah. I did not know that. 20,000 people unsubscribed from The Strand, which was the magazine where the Sherlock Holmes stories were published uh, in protest. And fans wrote letters saying that he has to bring Holmes back, which he eventually did. Those were 20,000 Hotson shippers. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So I I thought that was really cool. I like Sherlock Holmes. I, I didn't know that. Um, and then in the early, early 20th century, as science fiction rose to prominence in pulp magazines and then novels and then, of course, movies and TV, uh, science fiction circles are really where, you know, early modern fandom solidified. Uh, you had television fandoms taking off in the 1960s, especially Star Trek, which is kind of my OG fandom. Um, and then you get into the 1970s. That's where you start to see the increase in actual conventions. So fans meeting up, uh, meeting creators, meeting cast members. Uh, It's an exciting time. Um, We had anime and manga coming in in the later part of the 20th century. Uh, That's another big source of fandom. And then at the turn of the century, you have Usenet and message boards and the early web. Um, And that's where the Buffy fandom benefited, right? Like people all around the world started watching Buffy and, you know, for the very first time, you could connect faster than snail mail or even email. You could watch Buffy and then go on the forums literally the same night and talk about it. And sometimes people involved in the show, including Joss Whedon, would also post on those forums. And that is a big deal. So that's kind of where we're at now is Buffy fandom built on this history of people getting really obsessed with their media. And as our technology has allowed us to become more and more connected fandom has taken advantage of that for better or for worse <laughs> well that's what we're here to say exactly uh thank you for that history uh history that of Zara. very interesting i did not know half of that stuff <laughs> yeah um i didn't know if sherlock holmes was that old <laughs> i only know the robert downey jr version <laughs> <laughs> excuse me Okay, no, did that's a lie. Did you not watch Benedict Cumberbatch? I did not. I did watch The Great Mouse Detective, which was, you know, based <laughs> I mean, on... I mean, that is the best one. one. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it's... I mean, it probably goes without saying that, like, science fiction circles, as you said, Kara, are the biggest examples of fandom. You know, like, when I think about fandom, I think about the TV shows and the comic books and the animes and stuff, and it all tends to be around fantasy and around that, right? Like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, even your typical YA novels, like dystopian fiction, like Hunger Games, Twilight, all tend to have that fantastical element to it, right? I mean, of course you can have your Grey's Anatomy people, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like that kind of fandom. But um, I just feel like the ones that are really wild about their fandoms tend to be. Well, I think part of that is because of escapism, right? Like Mm -hmm. when you're watching a science fiction or fantasy show and when you're participating in that fandom, you really get to entertain alternate reality, right? Like if you're doing cosplay, 
would you rather cosplay as McDreamy or would you rather cosplay as a hobbit or an elf or a vampire from Sunnydale? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like the ability to enter into a different world that that is materially different from our existence, I think is very attractive to those of us who become obsessed with our media. So that, like you said, that's not to downplay people who are fans and, and participate in fandom outside of science fiction and fantasy, but that's the lure of science fiction and fantasy, in my opinion. Yeah. And like the world building, right? Because like, obviously, yeah. once you get into Buffy, there's the lore behind the Slayer and the demon world and the different realities. And then you have alternate realities and like, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And um, something that I've learned from reading fan fiction, particularly Harry Potter fan fiction, is that something <laughs> that something that fans, rabid fans, fanatics, as Kara as called us earlier, um, something that we really want is more cookies. It's more more things that we like. So let's say Buffy ends after seven years. Where can we get more? Well, we can get, get more through fandom. We can get more through podcasts and fan You're fiction. welcome. Yeah, and, and fan edits and reopening conversations 20 years later, but with a different spin to it. Like this, this is how fandom lives on. This is how the spark continues, you know? You know, and I think you both do a really good job of doing that, like looking at it through the lens of right now. I think sometimes I can be a little like, Buffy's hair looked great in this episode. I love the fight scene. Um, But y'all do like the like, this was problematic. This like the language they used here was like not great. And like, I do commend that because sometimes people do get mad at that. Right. And I, I see it in your fucking comments all the time where it's like, (laughs) okay, but they're just saying they're not clearly you both love the show. You wouldn't be doing the podcast if you like hated the show. But I do see people get really pissed at that. Um, But I, for me, it's interesting to look at it through like, but I guess like, I don't know, maybe it's because we're all podcasters here, but it's like, yeah, I know that you two love the show. Like, cause duh, right? Like, I don't know, duh. Like, and if you're calling something out, it's not because you hate the show and want to rag on it. It's. But I, I think part of it, and this is getting into what can be problematic or toxic about fandom is fandoms who take offense when we call out stuff as problematic or when we critique this 25 year old show. Um, it's because they love the show so much that they've actually internalized it and come to identify with some of the characters or actors or something about the show so that us criticizing this media that they love is us criticizing them. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the problem, right? Is it's like, we, we have to criticize the media we love. We have to critique it. That's how we get better as a society is when somebody makes art and says, I made an art. And then we say, great, that's some great art. I really enjoyed it. But did you think about this? And then, you know, everybody who's listening to this conversation says, oh, I didn't think about that. And then suddenly somebody else goes and creates a different piece of art. And that's how you get the evolution of media and you get more and more inclusive and better shows. We wouldn't have things like Steven Universe if we didn't have something like Buffy before it. Yeah, no, I agree. And we need the variety of podcasters and content creators and producers to put out different types of conversations around media pieces like Buffy. For, like you just said, Ian, like you sometimes you're like, her hair's great. 
And and I like that fight scene. Well, a lot of people just want to hear that, right? They're there to be like, I liked that too. And I like how you said that. And I'm going to keep <laughs> listening. And then there's some people who want to come in, like Car and I, the angle that we chose for our podcast was critique, right? So that, so that was the angle we chose. And then there's other ones like Becoming Buffy who are very heavy on metaphor and, you know, the symbolism and everything. So I, I think it's important to have different people coming in with different voices and different viewpoints, but more specifically, giving that variety, there's something for everybody, not just with podcasts, but with the pockets of fandom that you're touching on when you create these these little areas, right? Everyone has yeah. something that they can they can lean into. Honestly, that's why I like that I always have guests and like I have a bunch of mm-hmm. different co-hosts. Just some of my co-hosts are more like y'all with like the like critiquing brain. And some people sometimes I have Passion of the Nerd, who does a bunch mm-hmm. of Buffy videos. Um, he's one of my co-hosts now for Angel, and I I always joke that he is the smart one. He is the Giles. I am the Buffy where I'm just like, (laughs) this looks great. And he's like, well, here are the metaphors that were in this episode. (laughs) But Ian, Buffy is also incredibly smart, right? It's just true. True. I do have an MFA. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, so I think that we're, we're getting into one of the first questions I want us to consider in this trial, which is, you know, Actually, what are some of the best parts of fandom? When we talk about the anatomy of being a fan and what makes somebody healthy or toxic when they're participating in fandom, what are some of the really good things? So I started teaching this semester, um, and I'm actually teaching Yuna on digital literacy right now. And like, congrats! I think to another. (laughs) Um, And literally, we just talked about this specific thing in class last week. Because I, you know, I was explaining to them that the benefits of like, you know, being a queer person and finding other queer people, like sometimes you grow up in a town like I did, where I did not know another single soul that identified as like gay or any, like anything. And online was like the place to find other queer folks. And like it, you know, and also, you know, I feel like I could find other Buffy fans. I could find other Buffy fans that were also gay and also wanted to talk about (laughs) her hair looking pretty, you know, like that I feel like that. And the Buffy fandom, in general, I will say, I do think is a pretty good fandom. Um, in the realm of, you know, I cover Marvel stuff too, and that could be pretty rough. Um, you mention a woman, and oh boy, um, mm. people are mad. But Buffy in general, I think is a pretty, I don't know that I want to say diverse, but uh, I don't know. Like if I, I don't know, like my mom, you know, my mom passed away when she was 76. And she loved Buffy and she, you know, was Puerto Rican, but she felt she related to these women because she loved that they like Buffy would still like be very femme and very like dressed up, but still like kick your ass. And that was my mom's Mm. big thing. And like, for me, that feels very Puerto Rican. Like that's to my mom. She was always like, well, she she could be Puerto Rican. And I'm like, well, not really, (laughs) but I get what you mean. Um, And I feel like to her, it was a big deal that there was a woman who could beat someone up. And it wasn't like, you know, she had, she was Wonder Woman and stuff, but that was for her more cheesy. And Buffy, while it does have camp, it still took itself seriously. Buffy fandom is a very big tent. And there yes. are a lot of entry points where you can see yourself reflected in this show. Yeah. And like the the first time I I used to bully my mom into doing some recordings with me because she'd always be like, can they see me? Are they going to call me fat? And I'd be like, mom, no one can see you. It's just a podcast <laughs> recording. Um, but the first one we did, she said that the, the big appeal to her was like when her and her cousins moved here from Puerto Rico and they all lived together and they would play that 
she would have to be like the woman who gets saved. And she would be like, no, I want to be the one that saves the day. And they'd be like, no, women don't do things like that. And that was like the thing that she would say that she thought of with Buffy that like, she was like, oh, the boys I grew up with would have said women don't do things like this. And look, they do. And like, I think you're right. It's like, you know, this like older woman who was nowhere near the age of the teens that Buffy was like targeting back then could relate and like see some of something in this show than like literally anyone could. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. No, you're so right. Um, just about the cross-generational appeal for the show. <laughs> just your story there reminded me that one time when I was younger and I, w- I had watched the show, but I wasn't like super into it yet. And my aunt had told me that she was watching the show. And I think that also comes down to when Buffy aired, right? In the late 90s yeah. and early 2000s, where there wasn't so much variety or yeah. availability for people to watch a bunch of different shows the way they can now, where you can stream anything and everything all the time. Yeah. So I think that does play its role in when Buffy was airing and how many people saw it and the types of people that were watching it, because maybe that wouldn't be the case anymore. Uh, But it does create a more enriched fandom with different ages, different backgrounds, a lot of different types of people that watch and enjoy the show. Well, and it becomes foundational, right? Like you said, the, the dearth of representation of queerness, of, you know, strong female protagonists, of really like solid science fiction and fantasy shows that are long running uh buffy and we've said this before on the podcast it was just right place right time to just light that spark um if buffy had come along now um i don't think it would be as big a deal although that's all that's a hard thing to entertain because like i said earlier i think so much of our current contemporary culture owes something to Buffy or to Joss Whedon's mark for better or worse on so many different properties. Um, I don't think you can look at current pop culture without somehow bringing Buffy into the conversation. I once tweeted something that was like, Buffy invented pop culture and oh boy, so many like nerds were mad at me and like, actually the term was, and I was like, yeah, I know when it was fucking like, give me a break. (laughs) But like, I'm speaking metaphorically, but also I'm not because I do feel like Buffy, like definitely, like you just said, Cara, like the, the Buffy like hand is in a lot of modern pop culture things. Um, You know, we mentioned the magicians before we got on here. That's a show that clearly was influenced by Buffy and they even have Buffy references Mm -hmm. in the show. Just the whole idea of a chosen one, right? Yes. Yes. And like, you know, I mean, it's a little hard to say Joss Whedon did the Avengers, but like the Marvel quippiness, the Marvel, like the tone of Marvel is very Buffy to me. I don't know. I feel like a lot of modern pop culture, especially in the like geek or nerd realm has been influenced by Buffy. And even like, Right after Buffy, I feel like there were so many shows trying to do what Buffy did that never quite and did. and the number of writers and crew members who went on to to other projects, right? Yeah. Like you've got Jane Espenson, Stephen Estenite, right? Like all of these people, Ben and Ledden, like I see their names coming up in yeah. show credits and I'm like, they worked on Buffy. And it's like that was carried forward. So yeah. Well, that is one of the best parts about fandom for sure is is basically what you are describing here, where Buffy had such an influence on shows that came after it that mm-hmm. let's say you are a diehard Buffy fan and have been for a long time. There are so many avenues that you can take into other fandoms, right? Because they're not going to be that dissimilar from the Buffy fandom, especially if they are influenced by it. Yeah, that is true. Although... I will bring up an interesting observation that I had recently, which is statistically quite a lot of the main cast of Buffy did not go on to do 
other like a lot of other stuff after Buffy or at least not until more recently right like Sarah Michelle Gellar again like did some things after Buffy but she took a huge break from acting and and you see people like Amber Benson right she ended up propelling herself into a, a career as a writer as a novelist um and that's interesting to me because often you have actors in these shows from the 90s and early 2000s who then went on and did like yeah. another show or a bunch of movies or something. And they might still be most well known for that, right? But you get somebody like, I don't know, Richard Dean Anderson, who was MacGyver, and then he was Jack O'Neill and Stargate SG-1, right? And so that it's very fascinating to me because your comments, Steph, about like, oh, like if you liked Buffy, there's all these other things that people who worked on Buffy could, you know, you could watch. But it's like, well, if I liked Sarah Michelle Geller and Buffy, it's like, hmm, what else do I watch, right? It's like, if I liked James Marsters, what else do I watch? If I liked uh, Charisma Car- Carpenter, what else do I watch? And it's like, th- there, there's a little bit out there, right? But it's like, it's interesting to me how for various reasons, a lot of these actors' most memorable roles are their Buffy roles. Yeah. The angle I was thinking of about it more is like if you enjoyed Buffy as a show, then the likelihood of you enjoying other Joss Whedon shows is there. Um, You had mentioned earlier The Magicians, right? So I'm assuming that if you're a fan of Buffy, you might just enjoy The Magicians as well. So in in that regard, uh, your fandom opportunities open up. One thing that I adore about the Buffy fandom, um, and again, it touches on this cross-generational idea that Ian brought up earlier. There are a lot of new Buffy fans that are coming mm-hmm. in recently um, that have said to me online that they they it's on Disney Plus, right? So they just watched it last year. They watched it over COVID. They watched it four years ago and kept on watching it like over and over and over all again. All these Gen Z and Gen Alpha youngsters. All these youths coming into our comments <laughs> to talk to us about youthful things. Makes me want to eat some band candy. <laughs> right? <laughs> And I'm just like I know what you're what you're what you use want you want more Buffy um but I love that part of fandom because it's like it, it just makes it feel like the show is going to continue living on right. mind you a lot of them come in with our critique you know our critique glasses just like we do but that's a good thing right and they still enjoy it well and the fact that we haven't had a Buffy reboot or sequel series yet I know they keep dangling the promise in front of us but it's it's like the fandom has had to work harder as a result to keep that spirit of Buffy alive through fanfic and fan productions and conventions and podcasts and all of these conversations and participatory culture, right? Um, and I, I don't know if that would have been the case if there had been a reboot already. I, I would be curious on your opinion about this, Ian, but I think we're we're ripe for for some kind of new Buffy TV media. I know we just got Slayers and we've had a few continuation kind of sequel novels from people like Kendara Blake. Would you like to see Buffy in some form come back to TV? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I had um, Monica Usu-Breen, who was going to be the showrunner of the mm-hmm. new Buffy Arrive on the podcast a couple of times. Um, and we talked, we actually talked about that. And she said she considered it like a very good date where you never hear from the person again because then Fox was bought by Disney and she, you know, she had started her like characters and everything. Um, and she always says she would do it if they still were like, Hey, remember that thing we talked about a couple years ago? Um, but she doesn't know that it will happen. I feel like the Joss Whedon of it all probably is hindering that as well. 
Although I don't know how Disney works. I mean, it might just be like Disney fully owns it and he doesn't matter. You know what I mean? I don't know. I just, I feel of two minds about it, right? Because on the one hand, we're in this era in which the mouse and a couple of other corporations, Warner Brothers, I'm looking at you, are <laughs> like resurrecting all of the IP from our childhoods and young adulthoods as zombie IP, which they then produce. And in some cases, Warner Brothers, I'm looking at you, then shelve without broadcasting yeah. because it's a tax write-off. Um, but right, it's like we can't have anything new. It's, it always has to be a reboot. It always has to be reimagined. We're you know we're bringing back the original cast, and it's twenty five years later. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying like part of me feels like we're really overloaded. And then at the same time, the other part of me is like, but why not Buffy? Right? Like if mm-hmm. if this is the the hellscape of TV production that we live in, why can't my show come back as a zombie? I mean. The thing is, especially now, there's been so, like, I didn't know there was a uh, uh, Frasier one until like the other day. And I was like, what? Frasier got a one? <laughs> Whatever. And like, he's the only actor that Eve is even in it. From... He's in Philadelphia now. <laughs> Wait, really? I didn't realize that. Oh, that he makes moves. sense. He did a appearance at a local bar here. That's probably why. Um, but like. You know, they could be very miss. Um, you know, Will and Grace, of course, is problematic, but I loved it growing up. It was the only like gay show, right? I was excited when it came back. I thought it was good, but then I just like didn't care because it felt like, I don't know, these people are older and richer than me. That's not as like novel as it was when I was like 16. Now that I'm, you know, I mean, now I'm 40, but in my 30s, when it came back on, I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> They're still doing the same shit and they're like, older and richer and when a show doesn't recognize that it has to change with the times and kind of update itself right i think that's when it really starts to fall flat something that gives me a lot of hope if we were to see a buffy reboot or sequel series is so many of the people working on it will be fans yeah and you know i think the the amount of time we've been away has will have been good for us much in the same way that as a huge Star Trek fan, I feel so blessed to be here for basically the silver age of Star Trek. Like we are in a new Star Trek renaissance um, that we didn't see the likes of since TNG brought Star Trek back from the dead at the end of the eighties. Right. Like there's so much good new Star Trek content out there. And part of that is because the people producing it are themselves fans who grew up with Star Trek. And so I hope that if, eventually the mouse is like we're going to give this the green light they do it in a way that you know the people running the show are buffy fans who will then i have every confidence know how to do it justice i can already see that happening with other media too um like uh seth rogan for example he has been rebooting a lot of stuff from the 90s like the the most recent teenage mutant ninja turtle movie um i actually really enjoyed and we've gotten a couple of them over the past decade and it's like bloated with teenage mutant ninja turtle stuff but he came out and did it and you can just tell that he was a fan right that he listened to the fandom that he was part of it and he he produced something that was very true to the original comics or whatever it is that they came from so um that's just another example of how sometimes the fandom knows best right and the fandom can influence something new that comes out from an older piece of media any other thoughts about positive stuff before we get into toxic fans one other positive thing I want to say about fandom is exactly what we're doing here. The community, the people that you meet that are so like-minded. Um, I, I was not part of the Buffy fandom before we did the podcast. I 
dove headfirst in to do the social media and was very blown away by the types of responses I was getting. But the thing that I was blown away the most by was the positivity of people who are who are like-minded. There are the people, I'm sure we'll get into it in a bit, that disagree and they disagree hard. But when you find people that agree so hard and go to bat for your opinions and back it up and then let you know that they're there with you for that or thank you for saying it out loud, something that they've been waiting to talk to somebody else about. I love that feeling. And like Ian's here because we met him through the fandom, right? And and I, I think it's just a really great way to build community. There's no other feeling than being a fan of something, but no one in your life is a fan of that. So you can't talk to anybody mm -hmm. about it. So then when yeah. you meet people that are like, girl, I feel that so hard. Like you just, it, it feels like, you know, in person at a party, that's the person I'm going to pull to the corner of the room and we're going to fucking talk about Buffy for the next two hours. You know what I mean? And that's a great feeling. And that's what fandom's all about. I think that's the best part of fandom, honestly. You know, I, I was actually going, I was thinking that too, because doing Slayer Fest, I've met so many people that I truly, truly, truly love. You know what I mean? Like two of my best friends, Zach and Kirsten, I met because of this podcast. You know what I mean? Like because Kirsten was doing Buffy books and I had on a guy who worked with her and was like, oh, I know someone who's like writing a Buffy book. Would you want to have her on? I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and like her and I text all the time and we always like joke that we're pop culture twins because we always like the exact same horror movies, same superhero stuff. And she'll text me to be like, oh, I saw you like posted about seeing that movie. Do we like it? And I'll be like, yeah, we do. You should go see it. Or like, no, we don't. Don't bother. Um, <laughs> and that's like really nice, right? It's really, it's like a weirdly, it's weird to say it's organic, but it is organic, right? Because it's like, oh, we like the same thing. So let's talk about it. I, I wouldn't have done a road trip to Duluth, Minnesota this summer uh, to meet two people I barely knew on the internet if it hadn't been for our respective podcasts. You know, nice. I met uh, Brittany Lind and Kayla Moria of Left of Skeptic because well, A, I could get there because Duluth is close to Thunder Bay, but also because they seemed like two really cool women and I wanted yeah. to meet them and we all love Buffy. So yeah, fandom brings us together. It really does unite us and that is beautiful. And that is why we are now going to tear it apart. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell a quick story too. When I, I had my bachelorette um, in 2021 in Salem, uh, Massachusetts for like their Halloween uh, weekend. And I went as Buffy and I ran into two people who were vampires, but specifically they were Buffy vampires. And um, the guy was a prosthetic I was gonna, expert. Wait, were, any of, were either of them Asian vampires? They, they were not, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> well, well, good thing, because they would have been killed immediately. But um, the, the point was, I was like, are you are you Buffy vampires? Because they have a look, right? Like Buffy yeah, vampires yeah. look different from Twilight vampires, look different from Nesperatu. Yeah. <laughs> They're Bumpies. Exactly. They're like, <laughs> yes, are you Buffy? I was like, yes. And like, and like, and then you find them on Instagram. Like, I just... I just love that. And I think that's like the highlight of the last couple of years of being in the Buffy fandom is when you find people who are tie hard, you're just like, mm, mm, my people, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I do feel like in general, the only time I encounter bad Buffy fans is on the internet. It's never in person. Usually in person, everyone's like very chill. We all like the same shit. We're just like happy to be partaking in whatever the thing is. And yeah, I mean like Kirsten who, you know, writes like publishes like 10 novels a year my mom passed away this year and she's wrote a character that is my mother in her next book Aww. and she told me that like even in her edit process she was like i'm making sure i keep the character in there because 
my mom, you know, my mom's the one that got me into Buffy. So she wrote a character, a vampire named after my mom. And my mom, like in hospice, was like, oh, really? I love that. Like, very excited. And you know what I mean? Like, Kirsten's someone I've met in person once, but like, she is one of my best friends. So it's like nice that you can make those connections. Oh, I love that. I love that legacy for your mother. Right. Kara, I, I expect you to do something very similar for me. So <laughs> I'm not writing any books. <laughs> well, why not? Well, get on it. Yeah, seriously. Uh, um, okay. So let's talk about toxicity. What in general, before we get into some specific aspects of toxic Buffy fandom, what in general do you see as defining traits of toxic behavior within fandom? So I, uh, this might've been last year, I think. And I feel like this is a good example. I actually once soft blocked someone where, you know, you like block them, then unblock them just so they unfollow you, but they could still see your page, but whatever. And the person noticed and DM me and was like, Hey, why did you soft block me? I'm going to refollow you. And I was like, you don't owe them an explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so this is wild because I, and Steph, we, we talked about this a little bit. Sometimes I can jump the gun with like, I'm having a bad day or I've gotten 10 of the same fucking comments and it's like the 10th one just gets it. Mm -hmm. And I, I was having one of those days. So I was like, do you want me to tell you why? And I did, I gave them like four examples of them correcting me incorrectly on my posts. Um, And the biggest one was I posted a picture of Wesley and Cordelia from Buffy season three. And I was like, Oh, the early days of angel investigations, this person commented saying, no, Wesley wasn't there first. It was Doyle. This should be a picture of Doyle and Cordelia if it's the early days. Right? And that was the one that like broke the like camel's back. It was like the last straw for me. I was like, now they're getting soft blocked because it was like the fourth time they've done that. And I actually told them, I was like, you're being that fan that wants to be the know-it-all and get me, but you're doing it incorrectly. And that even if you were doing it correctly, that's obnoxious. And to this person's credit, they said, oh God, you're right. I'm being that toxic fan, aren't I? I'm sorry. Wow. Ooh, we love a self-aware toxic fan. I, you know, <laughs> but like, you can't argue with that then, right? Because it's like, oh, all right. And they were like, is it okay if I still follow you? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's totally cool. I appreciate you like mm-hmm. owning up to it, you know? And they're like, I'm going to do better. Like, I won't do that anymore. And wow. they have not. So I feel like sometimes it can be like, you don't realize you're doing it because that person didn't. And then they fully owned up to it. And we're like, oh, right. That does sound like I'm being a toxic fan. So I I try to keep that in my brain and I'm trying to keep that like kind of levity in this discussion with my brain because I can get very pissed about this. But I think sometimes you don't even know you're doing it, but it's like Mm -hmm. that where it's like, I want to correct you. I want to tell you you're wrong. And it's like, but you can look up and see that I am not wrong if you use Google. Like (laughs) I've had people tell me I'm incorrectly quoting something. That's a caption that I didn't do myself. And I'm like, no, it's it's right. I promise. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and we don't want to be toxic. And right. when we are interacting in the persona of being podcast hosts, there's that power dynamic of like, well, we're the podcast host. This is our social media account with this following. And you are this somewhat random person on the internet right. commenting. Um, and we have to be aware of that power dynamic of like, I never want to put anybody on blast. I never want to kind of like even accidentally have people dogpiling on somebody because of the interaction that I'm having with them from this official official position. So it's like, you know, our self-proclaimed position of we are going to critique Buffy and the fandom doesn't immunize us and indemnify us from criticism ourselves. And and that's the, the trick, right? Is it's like, how do you recognize 
that legitimate criticism of, oh, somebody calling us in because we made a, a bad joke, you know, we, we, we did something that you should call us in for versus, like you said, somebody just kind of being the know-it-all or somebody you know, being toxic on our page. And and that's that can be challenging sometimes because, as you said, Ian, we don't have unlimited spoons. So sometimes right. we are like at our wits end and we see something and it's just like, oh, we, we overreacted or we reacted to that in, in a way that maybe wasn't handled the best. Oh, the amount of times Kara <laughs> has talked me off the ledge. The, there have been, I would say, a handful of TikToks that I've made in response to somebody. And I, I always send those to Kara first. And she always says, no. <laughs> She's like, this person's probably 14 years old. Don't do that. Um, but like, even it's cathartic for me to just like get it out and then yeah, yeah. not post it, right? But like, the, if my drafts, could tell stories. Um, but I, I think I think fandom is getting more toxic yes. as the internet grows, as our social media platforms expand. Yeah. And the drive for constant engagement yes, and the every, algorithm, right? Like you're doing it for the likes. Twitter did nothing to help this society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because And I'm still on it. it well, I mean, like any any comment section on TikTok, on Instagram, it, it's just going to be a grab bag. Normally, people, at least by this point in season six of where we are in Buffy, people know what we're about. So they generally agree with us. And it's okay if they disagree too. But um, we've definitely had the people that come right out and are like, what the hell do you think you're doing? Right. Like who like who are you to say this? They can do it publicly. They can do it privately in DMs. They can go to Reddit. They can go to their own pages and talk shit about us on there. And there's nothing we can do about it. Right. And I think I think it's those types of interactions that create this toxic environment, not just for us who, as Cara said, we have to remain somewhat professional when we can um, (laughs) as best we can. That, That doesn't mean we're not reading it and getting affected by it. Right. And then and then you see other people that jump in to defend or support that person's negative comment. And then it just creates more and more and more. And there's some nights where you're just like, man, like if I don't get off my phone right now, I'm going to be depressed in the morning. Right. And, <laughs> and then Kara has to talk me down again. So I, I think the Internet <laughs> is is a problem. And I am curious because I know that the forums have been around since Buffy was airing. But I feel like we've gotten um, some feedback from people who were part of those 20, 25 years ago. And they said they were usually pretty polite, right? It's kind of yeah. like my opinion is my opinion, your opinion is your opinion, cool opinion. And then they would move on. Whereas now I think everybody just wants to fight. <laughs> so I remember back in the day, because I, I really started using the internet in 2004, and one of the first things I did was immediately join a Star Trek role-playing group. That is the nerd I, I love am. that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and from there, I joined, I joined a few other Star Trek message boards. And I have a very vivid memory of there was another user on one of these message boards. And he had a username that was indicating his support for the Republican Party in the USA. Yeah. And he had very conservative political views. Um, and he loved to hang out in the politics chat uh, of the message board and talk politics. Um, and we would get into some debates because I have decidedly not conservative views. We would get into some pretty healthy debates 
But at the end of the day, I looked at him, right? And I'm like, this, you know, we're both Star Trek fans. We both seem like cool people. I can get along with this person. I mean, at the time, you know, we, we were both white and I thought I was a, a cisgender man at the time. So like, you know, there, there was also that, right? But it's like looking at what has happened to the Republican Party in the last <laughs> 20 years. I think nowadays, if I were to join a forum and somebody said, I like the Republican Party and let's talk politics, I would just be like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm lucky in my Discord. We have like a, everyone kept talking, you know, current events, politics and stuff. And I made a current events tab. And for the most part, everyone agrees because I was a little worried about that. Honestly, I was like, what if like someone who loves this podcast ends up being like a unhinged Trump supporter? Like, what do I do then? (laughs) It's interesting, too, because there have been times where in our comments, somebody will say something in disagreement and then we'll we'll either correct them or come in and be like, well, I don't think you're understanding what our point was about that. And then the toxicity will come out from like people who we thought were like loyal listeners, right? It's like, wait, well, you know what? Like, I've been listening to you for, you know, since you began and I'm out. And then they leave and you're kind of like, ooh, caught one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> well, But that's the, the fan equivalent of uh, people saying, but how dare you criticize me for, you know, homophobia or transphobia? I'm an ally or racism, right? It's like, I'm an ally and look at all the ally things I've done. And they present to you their resume of allyship. And it's like, right. but but that's not, that doesn't stop us from calling you in for stuff you're doing now, right? Yeah. And but But people see it as this kind of very binary thing. And I think that's another toxic quality to fandom is... You know, once you have participated in fandom long enough, you start to feel, uh, and we're not immune to this, and and that's why I'm always reminding myself, right, just because I have a Buffy podcast doesn't make me immune to that criticism. It's like, the more you participate, the more you start to feel like, well, well, I've earned my opinions, right? I've... You know, I've won this uh, this right to have this opinion in the trenches of the message boards or the discords. And it's like, um, not really. Like other people can still criticize your opinion and, and call it out. It's like that's what makes it an opinion. It's not a fact. Um, it's something you can discuss. But I, I think there are people who reach a point in their participation in fandom where it's no longer about I want to talk about the show. And it's always about I want to talk at other people about my version of the show that exists in my head. Mm. That's interesting because I know some criticism that you and I have received, Kara, is that we're biased, right? Like, or, or, or we, like, we hate Buffy. We, we love Buffy, Buffy too much. Um, um, <laughs> that's how you know you're doing it right is where the criticisms <laughs> cancel each other out. Listen, the, so the, the second time we had Amber Benson on, it was just like a straight up, my first time I had her on was her family to discuss that episode. Second time was just straight up interview discussion. Um, and we talked about Tara's death and like what could have been done to get Dark Willow, be Dark Willow without killing Tara. We talked about alternatives and I was like, and I said the only character I could see dying that would throw Willow off the edge that would not throw off the whole show would have been Giles because he was already gone and like that actor had left. Um, and I'm not saying I would want Giles to die. I don't want, you know, any of the characters to die. I love them all. They're all my babies. Literally, that was just like, I was like, the only thing I can think of is like, maybe Giles dies because of a spell they did and she feels terrible. So blah. And Jesus Christ, there was a Reddit thread and one of my friends sent it to me like, oh, they love they love this discussion. And then I got to the bottom and it was people like, has this guy even watched Buffy? Does he even know this show? Like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, how are they saying I haven't watched? The, like, the one thing I am confident in is that I know Buffy. And they're like, 
saying that I don't know the show at all because I said that. And it's like. <laughs> I think rule number one, Reddit is toxic <laughs> on its own. And do not read what people write about you on Reddit. I've learned that the hard way. I think a, a toxic part of fandom, a big part of that, goes along with the fact that the internet is a terrible place. <laughs> and it's it's yeah. not a great spot for discourse. It really isn't. But I think a lot of people double down on their opinion. They're not so open to hearing other opinions about it. And like even like the condescending nature of that one person saying, has he even watched the show? Because I don't agree with him. And therefore, like he doesn't know. You know what I mean? And, uh, like that in itself is problematic because it's just like, just because this person doesn't agree with you or they said something that you don't agree with that you wouldn't do yourself, that doesn't automatically make them less than, that doesn't make them right. less of a fan. It doesn't make them less of a, of a critical thinker. It's just that it's different from you. And something I've learned just from being a, like a Buffy influencer over the last three years is that um, the amount of people who are uneducated and have computers is large. Yes. <laughs> and not, not saying people who disagree or anything are uneducated, but just the amount of people who think that they're giving an opinion that's really sound and like well-rounded it's not well that that's the failure of our public education system <laughs> this is a teacher, this is a bigger right? problem. Like people don't know how to construct arguments anymore and i'm, I'm trying to change that one class at a time you're doing it Kara. Um, you're doing the hard work here and so is Ian, and now trying to change that yeah <laughs> yeah but i'm just saying like that's that's why like the toxic nature of fandom um propelled by the internet is just that people are like this is my opinion that's it and i'm not here to hear your opinion and, and it doesn't create a good space to do that you know us podcasters try but right. it's not the best so speaking of this divide the digital divide uh between how fans behave online versus in person um let's talk a little bit about the fandom at conventions and i think we could start off maybe steph uh you could introduce into evidence a hot stake from a fan who went to a convention and wanted to talk about it Yes, we have our first witness for this trial in Erica, who writes about uh, the Comic-Con that she had attended. She said, at Comic-Con, a group gets together every year to show once more with feeling. It's a good time where fans can sing along with the episode and the group even sometimes gets actors from the Buffyverse to come and sit in. Sounds so fun. Um, however, the, the day that Erica went, uh, this crowd's reaction to Dawn is baffling. I, like you two, have no hate towards her and never understood the hate she gets. Every time she was on screen, booze would erupt in the crowd. When Dawn told Tara about the fight between her and Willow, people were yelling, shut up, Dawn, you ruin everything. People also erupted into cheers when she was kidnapped. And the scene where she tells Buffy that the hardest thing to do in this world is to live in it, people groaned and booed and were yelling at how stupid she is. So Erica says, people, come on! <laughs> and also, the love that Spike got. People were screaming for him. They wanted to be his slave. It's such a stark contrast to the reaction to Dawn, who Erica calls Donifer, as we are to do on the on the podcast so um basically what erica's saying is she was standing next in line next to people who were not understanding the dawn hate either uh but she was annoyed by this because she just doesn't think that dawn deserved those boos she had brought her boyfriend who isn't a big buffy fan and was like confused you know it was like why why are they booing this person and um she says this happens every year. So she can confirm that this is something that is ongoing and yeah. it does represent the toxic fandom of the Buffy 
of the Buffyverse. Yeah, I I went to one at San Diego Comic-Con and me and my friend Erin literally started yelling. We were like, everyone shut up when they were yelling for Dawn <laughs> to shut up. So you're like, why are they doing that? Like, that's so mean. Um, and I get that it's like supposed to be fun, right? It's supposed to be like in good fun. They're not booing Michelle Trachtenberg. They're booing the annoying, quote unquote, annoying character. These days they would though, right? I like know, these I days know. we would harass the 15-year-old actor yeah. off the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and like, I just, that's something that I struggle with because it's wild that y'all brought this up because someone, I don't remember who, in what I've done like six recordings in the last week. One of those recordings, someone brought this up because someone was like, oh, I went to one of the Once More Feeling. I was like, oh my God, so did I. And they were like, isn't it really mean that everyone boos Dawn? And I was like, they did it at yours too. So I guess they do do it at every single one, mm-hmm. which is wild. And like in contrast, which is not me hating Spike. I think Spike is hot. I love Spike. He's a great character. In contrast, Spike literally rapes Buffy, literally attempts to rape Buffy mm-hmm. later that season, but he is getting Praised. wild applause. And Dawn I would also be a fucking nightmare if I were a teenager, found out I wasn't real, my sister was a superhero, then my mom died, then my sister died. Like, I don't know. I I feel like that would make anyone be screaming all the time, too. Right? Absolutely. Um, it, it It is, like, as a, as a fan in general of anything, if I really like something um, or a character and somebody shits on that, um, on that like that I have for them, it doesn't feel good. Um, and however, I do want to call, this is, this is where me and Cara get called out on our own podcast because we shit on Spike all the time. We (laughs) shit on Xander all the time. Um, we came down hard on Willow this season. It happens. Right. And, and I under, I totally understand people who get upset because they're like, I really like this character. And if I were in a room of like, you know, dozens of people booing a character that I actually really like, that would, that would hurt or it would, it would take away from my enjoyment of that experience so well i was just gonna ask and i don't know how much you can speak to this ian but when it comes to fandom and conventions in general i know that conventions can be problematic spaces in terms of like uh you know depending on how well the convention staff deals with issues of harassment for example uh sometimes marginalized fans you know female fans disabled fans right like they don't always feel welcome in these spaces because Fans are humans, and when you get a bunch of humans together, sometimes we really suck at being yeah. inclusive. And, and so, I just just curious, like, do you have any thoughts on that as it relates to like Buffy conventions that you've been to? Um, I I guess like on the like weird harassment level, I remember at the Philly Comic Con that I went to one year. I think it was like James Marsters. I can't remember who else. Juliet Landau was supposed to be there. She had a chance at last minute, and someone got up to ask a question. And it was like, Juliet Landau had a stalker who was very comfortable saying he was her stalker and that he was there to see her and he brought roses for her and he wanted to give them to James to give to Juliet. And he was like, no, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. And was very like, no, I'm not going to do that. Next question, like just didn't even. And the guy gave like a very long speech about how he came very far just to see Juliet and she probably canceled because she knew he would be there. Which like, if you're even thinking that, maybe like you said, rethink your actions. If you think Mm -hmm. this actor might cancel because they knew you were there, I can't imagine a world in which I'm like, well, that's crazy, right? Ha ha ha. Like, look inward for that. He's like, it worked for Spike. <laughs> right. God. Uh, um, 
And like, I remember being like, Ooh, and like walking out and that guy walked out behind me and my friend and we were both like, Ooh, I don't want to be near this person. Like, and it's like wild that that person, I mean, granted, how would they know that this person's that much of a stalker, but like someone like that probably shouldn't at the very least be getting up to the microphone to ask questions of these people. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember when I went to Eliza Dushku and Seth Green went to that Comic-Con like a few years earlier. And I remember Seth Green prefaced it with, before we get to the questions, Yes, David Boreanaz and James Marsters are both very hot. They smell, they smell fresh as, as babies. They they look beautiful. They blah blah blah. And he like gave all this like ridiculous stuff about James Marsters and David Boreanaz. And he was like, now everyone can ask their questions because I'm sure they do get a lot of those annoying questions about other actors. And I just remember Eliza Dushku. This one guy like asked her like five questions in a row that were like, would you work with Lindsay Lohan? Would you do another cheerleader movie? Would you? And it was like clearly like listing off his like weird fantasies, mm-hmm. and she was just like, "Yeah, man." Would you do another cheerleader movie at thirty? <laughs> like, <laughs> and it was so weird. And but she just was like, "Yeah, sure. Why wouldn't I?" Yeah. yeah. All right. He stopped. Um, he stopped. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, someone like him probably isn't as aware that he's being maybe weird mm-hmm. as the guy who was like, I brought roses for Juliet. I know she's not here because I was going to be here. Well, and, and there's a difference between the harmless weird fans, yes. right? Versus the, the stalkery. Oh, I'm in danger. fans. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so scary. And like, we know, like I've heard the stories of like the, the, the fans that, you know, send death threats that send hate mail to these actors for voicing their opinion or for not showing up to something that they thought they're going to be at. It can get pretty dangerous, you know, especially when you're a celebrity um, on a platform like this. So it it can be very scary. So this idea of talking about like the treatment of some of the cast, especially the female cast and the, the, the attitudes towards Dawn has me thinking about misogyny within the Buffy fandom. It's ironic that a show that is literally about a strong female protagonist, about, you know, women power and everything, somehow people within the fandom still feel it's okay to shit on the female characters or to treat the female cast that way. And I think that speaks to a lot of, you know, internalized misogyny and just our misogynistic society in general. But I think it's also very troubling that, you know, there there are so many people who watch and love this show, but have very clearly missed some of the point. Um, or maybe that says something, as Steph and I are uncovering, about how as much as Buffy might try to be a feminist and progressive show, there are also misogynistic elements to it. Yeah. So in that vein, I'll, I'll bring in, you know, our next piece of evidence from Tracy. Tracy wants to talk about misogyny in the fandom and starts off by saying, So you know how you've impacted my weak-at-the-knees love of the bleached blonde Knight Rider, right? Like, this show for me um, had taken on a whole new meaning regarding my outdated and unchecked uh, zenial, that's Gen X slash millennial, views on consent. Like, I've always considered myself a feminist and fairly insightful, but it shocks me that I didn't see the level of creepiness of Spike's season five behaviors during my last rewatch in 2020. What is that even? But anyway, I see it now, and this podcast has opened my eyes to many things, like my spuffy love. And it's challenging, right? I need to look at how I hadn't really seen those things in Spike before, and that it means that I have to take a look at myself. So there are still some things 
that I don't agree with you on, but whatever I appreciate that we can't agree on everything, fundamentally the facts are there. And when you're presented with them, you can't unsee them. So being challenged isn't easy. I think in fandom, uh, what is sad is that when you're presented with these facts, people who stand certain people or couples or hold particular worldviews are unable to accept any facts that challenge that worldview. People who deny racism in comments about natural hair on black characters, uh, the depiction of the first slayer, the, the idea that Xander might be the worst, uh, <laughs> or that Spike's attempted rape is, you know, it's out of character. It's sloppy writing. Tracy calls this the culmination of years of misogyny, predatory, abusive behavior. Uh, and then it spills into real life. We as a society seem to engage more and more in confirmation bias, seeking facts to confirm our worldview. Um, so thank you for, for writing in and sharing that, Tracy. What do we think about this idea of like the misogyny within the fandom and how it interacts with the show and our society? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. And like, I feel like us as podcasters, like you do reevaluate these things when you have to think about it critically. There's a difference between, right? Like, I feel like we, the three of us could attest to this. It's like different watching as a fan, even if you've watched a zillion times, than it is watching to discuss in depth. And it can change how you feel about it, discussing it. I I was a hundred, always in my brain watching the show, no one was ever allowed to love Buffy aside from Spike and Angel. For me, like both of them were it. That like, I wanted both of them to be pining for her for the rest of her life. Like that's what I wanted it to be. And now as an adult, I love Angel and Cordelia. Like I, that's like my favorite heterosexual ship on either shows. And I, you know, I get accused of hating Spike all the time. I love him, but I just have trouble with the relationship after season six. Mm -hmm. Season five, when it's like he's stalking her and she can't stand him, it's like, okay, we can put him in that box of like, he is a creep. He's a like not actual good person, but he's like trying to get in bed with her, right? So he's doing quote unquote good things just because that is almost more, more digestible than where we go. Because, right, that's like, we know what that is. That's like, he's being a creep. He's also being annoying to her. She doesn't, there's no whatever. But once there starts to be the whatever, I had a lot of trouble with it. And Mm -hmm. I had trouble reconciling it with myself because I was always so big on like Spike and Buffy. I think especially because in season five was when I started taping it on VHS. So those are the episodes I was able to rewatch so often that Spike was like one of my favorite characters. He still kind of is. But, you know, people we'll get mad when we talk about that. And, you know, anytime someone brings up any of the boyfriends, I'm like, right, it's crazy. I, you know, 260 year old wanted to date a 16 year old. Also, it's crazy that this vampire attempted to rape the quote unquote woman he loves. Like, ah, um, and people that is always that that's my line all the time is I will say they're all bad because they are all bad. But we didn't date a good person. Like come down to it. Riley probably is the better guy than, either of them and i'm not saying that i like riley i do not like riley i think he is boring i think he was the boring lay she needed between her dramatic relationships there's nothing wrong with a rebound fuck but you know what i mean it's just like hard because i'll be like yeah they're all toxic and there will be someone that's like well actually and it's like no no no, they all are like Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that i'm i don't know i just i don't know how you can't reevaluate it right yeah i think 
like what you what I'm hearing from you, what Tracy said is just how challenging it can be for longtime fans of the show to reevaluate when they're older, to rewatch with a different lens as you do when you're older, as you should. I think it's interesting how Tracy said she just didn't see it. She didn't see the misogyny. She didn't see the creepiness of it because she didn't she wasn't looking. And right. I think that is the danger with a show like this. I think let's say you want to watch a vampire show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You're just here for the hot vampires. You're here for the <laughs> drama. You're here for, for the lols because it, there's quippy and it's fun. And that's all you're watching it for. That's great, right? But there's something dangerous in that. There's a problem with having no lens when you're watching it because you're internalizing things that overall are definitely things that we shouldn't be internalizing or that we should be exploring and challenging so that we're no longer propelling them and putting that worldview back into our society, into our day-to-day lives. Because as we talk about all the time on the, uh, on the pod, Cara, internalized misogyny, it's baked in. It's, it's something that we have been watching and digesting and, um, it's been part of our lives since we were young, since we were born, because it's just, it's just there. So this is all a roundabout way of just saying, I love when people say that this rewatch that they just did is challenging them or or listening to podcasts like ours, um, challenges them to really see in a different way because that's why we do it. Because ultimately some of the messages, some of the storylines, some of the ways that the women are treated on that show need to be challenged <laughs> so so that we are not continuing to think that this is an okay way to treat women. Absolutely. I mean, even before you and I started recording season one, I was chatting with my friend with whom I'd done my most recent Buffy rewatch. And I was saying like, I'm nervous for when we get to the seasons with Spike because each rewatch I do, I like him less and less. By which I mean, I see his problematic behavior more and more. You know, I'm with you, Ian. Spike, as a character, is an amazing character. James Marsters does a great job. He's he's a fantastic addition to the show. But as I've become older and as my perspective has shifted, it's much easier for me to recognize all of the red flags right from that very first episode. I remember telling you, Steph, after we watched School Hard, I'm like, I I didn't think I was going to come for Spike's misogyny this early in the series. I thought I would have to wait until season five, but I'm like, (laughs) no, like season two school hard Spike shows up and he's already hating women, you know, how he treats Buffy and how he treats Joyce um, because Joyce saves the day, of course, as she always Mm, does. (laughs) I remember very deliberately going into that discussion with the thesis of, Spike is misogynistic. He is misogynistic from the moment he shows up on the show. And and it's only going to get worse. And I I guess I kind of wanted to stake out that opinion, pun intended, as as soon as I could on the on the podcast to make it clear where I stand for people. And then that has been my mission for this entire podcast um, has been to exactly what you say, Steph. And I'm really glad. Thank you for for telling us that it's working, Tracy. I'm like, I want people to reevaluate things like Spike. Uh, or even Xander, because as much as I think there's a lot more people on board with Xander slander, it's also like there are some diehards out there who are like, but but he's the nice guy. It's like, oh, honey, <laughs> yeah. no. Oh, no. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's funny that I funny that you mentioned that it's weird to me that people are more on board with the Xander hate than they are with 
anyone else. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because that's, and that's not a defense of Xander, but I'm just, oh. you know what I mean? Like, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that speaks to, I think, how the fandom, the way that we approach our reactions to the show mirrors our society where it's like, we are more, we are more willing to be forgiving of Spike because he embodies what we are taught is the way a man should be forceful and, and you know, domineering. And, and he keeps going after Buffy, even though she keeps telling him no, because he really does love her. And so that excuses his behavior. Whereas we're maybe, we're maybe more accepting of the Xander slander because he fits more into the mold of the nice guy who therefore finishes last and therefore it's okay for us to right. tear him down. Um, and we see that like with the, the hot stake that Erica brought in about Dawn and hating on Dawn. That's what concerns me, right? Is it's like you have this group of fans, including a lot of women who, who think, hey, let's have fun by booing at a 15-year-old girl on this show that's about women power because we're doing it as a group. And then we're simultaneously cheering for Spike, who is right. misogynistic, you know, who, all these things that abusive. you listed before, Ian. Yeah, and abusive. And, and it's like, in the moment, I can see how easy it is to get swept up in, well, I'm part of this crowd and I, I want to you know, be doing what the crowd is doing. And it's fun to make fun of Dawn. But then it's like, take that step back and look at what you're doing. You, you're, you're in the middle of this feminist show you are embracing criticizing this female character who is literally a child while you're celebrating this soulless bad boy vampire. And it's, it's just that that lack of self-awareness really gets to me sometimes, not because it's bad to love the bad boy. You can love Spike as much as you want. That's okay. You can fantasize about Spike. That's okay. But that lack of self-awareness about the fact that the the real-world equivalent of Spike shouldn't be lionized, right? The real-world equivalent of Dawn shouldn't be torn down. We shit on teen girls so much in this society. And so for people, many of whom used to be teen girls, to turn around and do that again to this fictional representation of a teen girl, that bothers me. And to piggyback on that, a character that I spent all of season seven defending, not because she's a favorite, because she is fucking harmless, is Kennedy. And I think, like, no, she's not a favorite at all. She's whatever. She's fine. And again, there's nothing wrong with a rebound fuck also. Like, I feel like people, like, get a little too precious about, like, who's with who. And, like, it's the end of the world. Willow's got a hot young top that's like, I'm going to lay you out. <laughs> Would you like that? And Willow's like, yes, I would. I mean. <laughs> okay, but you you heard it here first, folks. Uh, Ian is for Riley and Kennedy. <laughs> but like, I feel like, um, I know that they do get like their couple-y moment, but I feel like I don't think they were supposed to be forever. It was just supposed to be like, it was kind of them like being like, ooh, Willow needs a girlfriend. We killed Tara. Oops. Um, let's try to look like we're not burying our gaze. But I don't think that's Kennedy's fault. Like, I think Kennedy's fine. Mm. But, like, I would post anything, a screenshot that had Kennedy in the background, and it would be, like, three people being like, I fucking hate Kennedy. I wish they <laughs> killed her. She should have died in the finale. And I'm like, I don't want Willow to have two dead girlfriends. Like, yeah, just for that alone, I don't want Kennedy to die. 
I'm so happy you brought that up. We we have obviously not covered season seven yet. Um, I am very curious to see how I'll feel about Kennedy because I w- was part of the hype, you know, back in the day where I was like, yeah, everyone's saying she's the worst. She must be the worst because sometimes I'm a follower. Uh, but I am very curious to see her and see her interactions and what I'm going to think. And I know somebody in our Discord was new to Buffy and had watched ahead and had said, Steph, you were, I, we just met Kennedy in like this episode and you remind me of her. And I was like, what? But then I was <laughs> like, wait, that might not be a bad thing. I have to like, you know, I had to like shed my, my thoughts from earlier, my internalized misogyny that I had to like tear down. I've been working on that a lot in the last couple of years. Um, and I was like, let me see how I feel when I get there. Don't let me just assume based on how I used to think because old Steph was uneducated and didn't know better. <laughs> I, I will say the one thing I've never gotten anyone say they've I've changed their opinion on Spike, but I got a bunch of people saying that I changed their opinion on Kennedy, which made me really happy Aww. because honestly, it wouldn't it would be mostly queer women that were like, oh, that bitch. Like, I wish she died in the finale. And I'd be like, but why? Why would you want that? Like, <laughs> I don't want more of these characters to die. And Willow would have been really fucking sad if her second girlfriend died again. Dark and, Willow part two. Right? Like, I just... At the very Darker. least, I don't want that for Willow. You know what I mean? And like, I got a couple people. Dark, light gray Willow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even on the episode um, Killer in Me, which is not a favorite episode of mine, um, I made it sure it was all queer women. And I got almost all of them to be like, you know what? She's not as bad. You're right. She's not that bad. We just like don't like her because she's not Tara, but that isn't her fault. And I was like, and that's valid to be like, I don't like her. I don't. Sure, sure. They have chemistry. That's fine. I was like, but I don't think there's anything like she's whatever. She's harmless and she's the most useful potential slayer they have. Mm-hmm. Well, but then and then kind of on the flip side of that, it really sucks when a show brings in the token gay character or gay couple and then you feel that pressure to stand them because you have to, right? Because it's representation. Right, right. And it's like, oh, we can't criticize this because then we're criticizing all queer relationships ever because this is the only one we have on this show. Right? <laughs> but again, we have that example of people coming for Kennedy, coming for Dawn, coming for all these female characters, right. and Spike gets off scot-free. We didn't want to come into this episode to shit on Spike, but it, he's such a good example of how these men, these mediocre men that are, you know, in Spike's case, abusive and rapey, they get praised, right? They get, they just get praised for being hot and for having hot sex with Buffy and for apparently loving her so hard that he, like, you know, stomped all over her boundaries. Uh, woohoo. Then we can get criticism for not liking him for calling this stuff out and people are like well i can't even listen to your podcast anymore because you're so hard on spike but it's like well perhaps that's what this fandom needs <laughs> right maybe it is the reckoning that we're finally getting to that point in our society i don't know if it's because are, COVID are hit or the, whatever steph are we the, are we the tops coming to lay everybody out <laughs> as ian so did i use that right beautifully put I hope so. <laughs> should that be our should that be our promo slogan for <laughs> season Please seven? Um, oh my god! But yeah, but I'm just like like is that like maybe it's time? It's it's I think in the fandom, I'll say it again. It's dangerous to not think about these aspects to the show, right? To just watch it blindly. But maybe it's time. Maybe this is why our podcast took off the way it did. Maybe that's why Ian's has been so successful. Is because you do need those people to come in and be like. We like Spike. 
but do we, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. can, can we talk for a moment about race and racism? Cause we've talked previously about, obviously the show has a terrible track record when it comes to racialized characters. Um, and, and Tracy brought up that one example of, you know, when we, we talked about the first Slayer's representation in Restless and oh. that other episode that I'm forgetting and, and you know, especially like intervention. Thank you. And especially, you know, comments about like hairstyle and stuff. We got some pushback on our social media where people were like, well, that's not racist. The pushback I received. (laughs) And I'm especially curious, right? Because, you know, of the three of us discussing this, I'm the only uh, person racialized as white. So I'm just like, what do you think about those intersections of race and racism as it comes to fandom? Um, I mean, I, Steph, we, we had that conversation when we got to Restless. We talked about that. And I actually did get some people mad about that comment and like i didn't even say it one of the guests did but you know i was like yeah um mm-hmm. and someone was like you know oh like and i feel like i see these comments on your posts too like oh you're like reading too much into it and it's like okay mm-hmm. like i still love buffy like it's not mm-hmm. it's just that was not a great thing to say like i it's not I, it's weird that it's not like an indictment of the character or of sarah michelle geller it's just like that was maybe a racist thing to say like mm-hmm. i don't know that's not like crazy and it's weird, I've actually had, so I was actually going to say, so, so I'm Puerto Ricans, right? So I was on a panel with the woman who played Kennedy, Ayari Limon, and she is Hispanic, um, I think Mexican and maybe Puerto Rican. And she, we were talking about that. It was a Slayer Fest panel that I did at um, Hellmouth Con. And she turned to me and went, wait, you would know better than me. Were there any Latinos on Buffy? And I was like, uh you and she was like oh no 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 kennedy was very distinctly white she was not latina <laughs> and i was like then i guess not <laughs> like i love that the actor who is hispanic had to ask me if there were any <laughs> that's so fascinating because yeah. <laughs> you know as a white girl watching the show i would say kennedy is latina right and it's like oops like that's just my naivete there i mean i i guess the only one would be the the inca mummy girl Ugh. Although I guess she she would be more so indigenous than. Boy, did they not know? I feel like they didn't know what that she was supposed to be. Like I don't even think they like gave yeah. that more than like one second of a thought <laughs> because a it's like a can of worms. <laughs> it's like a mix of ten things. So so you know this is the problem of you know the the fandom so white problem right where it, it's like not just white fans perpetuating this structural racism that's built into these older shows as well as current shows, but it's like even racialized fans and fans of color uh, can somehow, some, sometimes uphold these toxic views because, as with misogyny, it can be very internalized. Yeah, the, the most pushback I got on TikTok and on Instagram when it comes to the posts that I do that are basically just recapping or um, touching on what card I have talked about on the actual episode recap, the, the most things I get pushed back on was when we call out racism and when we call out fat phobia. Those are the two subjects that people, and I will say straight up, like mostly white men <laughs> um, will come out of the woodwork for to say their two favorite lines. The first one being, it was over time. And then the second one being, you're just looking for something to complain about, right? The show's perfect. Let it have its legacy. So that kind of pushback coming from that very specific <laughs> demographic of people, I'm always like, like, why? Like, you don't have, like, Joss Whedon, I understand that he is your God, 
right? <laughs> but like your God needs to be taken down. He's already been taken down and we're going to continue taking down his work. Um, but it's just so interesting to me that that they they, they cannot handle the idea that a show that they watched and that they, they, you know, saw in themselves or they saw themselves in Xander or whatever, that it could possibly be racist. And the fact that we call it out and we say it is racist and they're like, yeah, yeah, for then, right? Like, as in like, it's not like, and I think one of the times I commented back and I said, so when did racism start mattering to you? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I love like that. what year what, did racism start the mattering? Wild thing about, I get that comment too, of like, it was of its time. It's like, okay, yeah, of course, a lot of shows were saying that at the time, but like now is we're not in 1997 anymore. Mm-hmm. And we can look at it through like a modern lens. And that like, for me, it's like, okay, yeah, sure, it was of its time. Sure, okay, like, so was homophobia. Like, I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it's, just because it's of its time, we are watching it today. It's streaming yeah. on platforms today, and new people are finding it every day. That's another reason why you need to be critical about the media that you're consuming, because a show back then that has racism, homophobia, fat phobia, like all, all these things so blatantly in the storyline, in the characters, like to, to say that it's of its time is ridiculous because it is not of its time. It is of now. And we are still watching it. We are still consuming it. Yeah, consuming it's important now. for us to call it out now. It's a credit to the show, right? That the three of us here are like, yeah, we can call it out, but we still love it. Right. Because yeah. there are shows that I have revisited where I've been like, I can't like, <laughs> I can't watch this. And Buffy is thankfully not one of them. It is still problematic, but it's not so bad that it's like unwatchable. And there are, you know, I I mentioned this earlier, like when Will and Grace, the revival came back, I was like, ooh, I want to do a rewatch. And that shit is rough. Like, <laughs> like oh. for the time, sure. For the time, it is still, you know, I will say for baby gay me, it was still a big deal. But like, Oh boy, it's like very transphobic. It's very like there's always jokes about lesbians and not even like in jokes like, oh, we're all queer here. So we're like making it's like, no, 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 everyone's a gay man and they're making fun of lesbians. Yeah, and I, like, I had that problem with Gilmore Girls, like the, the transphobia, the queer phobia, the fat phobia in that show. Um, it got to a point where I was not enjoying the show anymore and I had never seen it before. Right. But I was really because it was like every single episode almost there was just a joke that has aged really poorly. And I'm just like, oh, come on. Also, Rory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I think when it comes to that one quote, right? You're ruining its legacy. Leave its legacy alone. Well, the honest truth that I think a lot of people have a hard time swallowing is that the legacy is kind of racist. The legacy is kind of homophobic. The legacy has fat phobia in it. You know, like the legacy is what it is. So... It's fine to still love it, but let us acknowledge it for what it is. Take the good parts and call out the rest, you know? And also Joss Whedon ruined the legacy, not, <laughs> not us yeah. doing a podcast. Yeah, you, well, exactly. I remember. <laughs> I remember when Disney Plus launched and they caught flack for putting warning labels on some of their older movies about, you know, this content being of its time right yeah of course you know i I have nothing i have no problem with putting those kinds of of labels on things um but my criticism of that right is kind of like well where what what is your criteria that you're using to put those labels on because when you do that on a a show uh, and i know this isn't disney this was uh looney tunes but like when you do that on looney tunes cartoons but you don't do that on buffy it's like 
so are you saying Buffy has no racism mm-hmm. and fat phobia and ableism and homophobia in it, right? Like, this is the problem is it's like, just because there's no warning label, that doesn't mean that stuff isn't there. It's, you know, these shows are steeped in it because that was the time and we yeah. can't avoid talking about it as a result. And that's a fair point I hadn't even thought of, honestly. It's like, if you put it on this, then does that mean it doesn't apply to these other things? Disney, I know you're listening. Um, what you need to do at the end of all of your shows is link to podcasts like ours so people can get the full education that they need to understand where things were, were wrong back then and how we're going to change them moving forward. <laughs> I agree. Shall we wrap up this trial uh, and get to a verdict by finishing off? We, we already talked a little bit about this, but I think we just need to talk a little bit more about shipping in the fandom <laughs> um and oh steph you have our, our final piece of evidence here to kick uh, things off yes sweet sweet rob came in to be our final witness for the shipping wars specifically the, the spuffy fandom he says i have witnessed <laughs> and i love that he put that in there specifically um i have witnessed the spuffy fandom which is really just a spike fandom go after anyone who dislikes and points out the abusive and disrespectful nature of their sleeping together whatever you want to call it the fandom also invents excuses to excuse behavior like xander is a nice guy he's so loyal despite all the blinding evidence to the contrary Ooh, rob <laughs> blinding evidence spike doesn't have a soul cool but we don't excuse what angel did without a soul either so why would we make so many unbelievable excuses for spike who also appears to have had some semblance of a soul the entire time so that's a little rant from Rob. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. So, wait, I want to start by saying I don't hate Spike again. I need to Agreed. reiterate that. We don't even hate Spuffy, right? Like, if you want to ship Spuffy, that is valid. And we're not just going to criticize Spuffy here. It's it's shipping in general. But Those actors have great chemistry. They do. Yeah. They're good actors. Sure, yeah, sure. James Marsters, you know, rocked the shit out of that role. Uh, yeah, this is about shipping in general. We just, the only, you know, the only witness who wrote in was Rob <laughs> about Spuffy specifically. And like, I know we, <laughs> Ian and I um, are on <laughs> our social channels a lot. And yes. um, we get the brunt of, I would say the shipping wars, like, uh, have yeah. I swayed one way or the other? Of course, I've always loved Bangel. I've always I haven't, Angel. for the record, <laughs> I don't love any of these ships. Stop loving me <laughs> in with staff. Prophecy Girls has long been accused of being a Bangel podcast. Incorrect, because Kara does not give a shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but as much as I try to stay as in the middle as I can when it comes to, like, monitoring comments and stuff, it is true that one of the most toxic elements of the fandom has to be the way these shippers go for each other and attack yeah. the characters. Oh, like sometimes it's right. Sometimes it's incredibly incorrect, but it just is nonstop. There's never going to be a winner. There's never yeah. going to be a final. This is the one for Buffy because it's not about that. Number one, but number two, it's just, it's not, it's never going to end because the void that is the also, internet. It's a TV show. It's not real. Okay, yes. I I say this. I'm on a podcast about Buffy. I host a podcast about Buffy. Fucking touch grass, you nerds. Like, (laughs) I just feel like... It's a show. We can disagree. No one's attacking anyone. It doesn't fucking matter. Like, just relax. And people get so mad about it. And the thing is, I've noticed... I have noticed that if you say this part of the fandom is toxic, 
The last time I tweeted about, I forget what spuffy person was mad at me, pick a thing. Um, and I was like, it's always a spuffy people that come out of nowhere to attack me and say they're not toxic while being toxic. I had eight different accounts with spuffy in their name that didn't follow Slayer Fest to tell me that I was wrong. They were not toxic. I was actually a really toxic podcast because I talk about them being toxic. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you're not even following me. Why do you care? Like, you don't listen. You don't even listen, right? So yeah, why do you like, care? And I just, I, I don't give a shit if someone I don't follow or don't listen to doesn't like Buffy. Like, what do I care? <laughs> I, right? Like, I just don't understand. I don't even care if people don't like us. You're allowed not to like right. us, right? Yeah. You can give us a one-star review. It's fine. That is your opinion. You're allowed to disagree and you're allowed to not like us. But it's also like you telling us that you don't like us and that we're the toxic ones because we dare to criticize your favorite ship. Why? What are you getting out of this interaction? Yes. Yes. I, you know, I'm going to try not, I'm sorry. I keep talking so much because I have a lot of, I have a lot of evidence. You're I have great. Yeah, you're good. We want, we want your witness testimony. We want it. All right, great. I'm going to go through some stories. Yay! Um, so, Kirsten White on my podcast said that Spike was not written as a character when he says that bitch is going to get what she wants. That's not how you write a character who is in love with a woman and going to get a soul for her. That is a correct statement. That is not how you write a character who is in love. Like that bitch is going to get what she deserves. That sounds like he is going to like kill her or beat her up or whatever. That's not the sentiment. Yeah. That's not the sentiment of someone like I'm so in love. Let me get her something nice. And a spuffy fan account that has Spuffy in their name, I will not say what account they are, relentlessly for a week tweeted at me and the, uh, me, Kirsten, and the other two guests that were on that episode to tell us why we were wrong. And they directed all of their fans a ton of different accounts. I couldn't name the people because there were so many different people that did not follow Slayerfest. It was a full week of them tweeting at all four of us to say why we were wrong, why I should fire Kirsten, and then tweeting at Kirsten's publisher that they should fire her from writing Buffy books. Mm. And for me, if, like, I use, that's my big, like, my big card that I lay down every time someone's like, we're not toxic. I'm like, okay, explain this. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's a corner of the fandom that we don't know. We're not like that. And it's like, but that is toxic. So, like, you can't say, you know, Scream is my favorite horror movie. It's my fa- my favorite horror franchise. Scream fans are unhinged online. I wrote a whole piece about how, like, toxic they are. And they are. I am saying that as someone who is a Scream stan. You know, you should see the ghost face behind me. Um, and I don't understand why people feel like if I'm saying this is toxic, okay, if it doesn't apply to you, keep moving. You know what I mean? It's like very not all men. And like mm-hmm. people think, oh, well, no, but I'm 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 a woman or I'm a, you know, I'm not a, a straight white guy. So like, it's different, but like, it's not different. It just isn't. Mm-hmm. If you're telling me it's not toxic and it's this group of people has been explicitly toxic to me and my podcast, then it's fucking toxic, right? Yeah. yeah. Shout out to all of our Spuffy and Spike fans out there who, who listen to cool. the podcast yes. and are great. And they they participate in our Discord and they send us hot stakes and they're like, yeah, we get it. Spike is terrible and toxic and misogynistic and he's often not good for Buffy but he's still really hot and I want to sleep with him or I'm I want sure. to sleep me with too. him, right? And that, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so, you know, like sh- shout out to all, the, all of those people. And I, I love that comparison you made, Ian, of not all men, right? It's like, yes, exactly. If, if you feel like this does not apply to you, it probably doesn't. And you don't have to go out of your way to be like, but I'm one of the good ones. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> because, you know, I just had... Um, 
uh, Holly, who runs Elysian Fields. So nice, a total sweetheart. She came on the podcast. And Elysian Fields is a um, spuffy fan forum where they do like exchange fanfic and stuff like that. Got along great. It was so nice. And, you know, I'm like, look, we came on the podcast. It was fine. Like, people be like, I don't know. I just like, if I, if a runner of a Buffy fan forum can be like, yeah, we're cool. We're fine. Like, or a Spuffy fan forum. But then everyone else is like, oh, you hate Spuffy. It's like, I, I recently, and this was my fault. This was stupid. And I still, I did apologize to the person and I still apologize, but they were still being a jerk. Someone subtweeted my podcast and it showed up in my For You page, which was, why did I engage? Why would I engage? Mm. So stupid, but I engaged. And they were subtweeting me about something I said about Spike. In fact, it wasn't something I said about Spike. It was a TikTok I posted that said, you're allowed to love a problematic character, just don't get mad at people for not liking them. And I had a picture of Spike in the background. And I had to delete the video because I got so many angry comments. Like, people were furious at me and would put it in their story and quote and like tag Slayerfest to say how stupid and dumb the video was. Why would I post it? I'm always attacking Spuffy fans. And it's like, the guy just said you're allowed to like whoever the fuck you want to like. What is wrong with that? So the person subtweeted me about that and was like, you know, we're just trying to exist and everyone's always attacking the poor Spuffy fans. And like, there's a weird (laughs) victim thing about this. And like, so I engaged and I was like, hey, the video just said, like whoever you like, it's fine. But sometimes people won't like the same character you like, and that's okay. And they were like, well, I wasn't actually talking about you. They were, but I was like, I'm sorry, I'm being a random person in your mentions. This showed up on my For You page. And they said, well, you know, the reason Spuffy people don't like your podcast is because you don't hold space for us. We've had people tell us that we need to bring on a Spike apologist for balance. And oh, it's like, I love that I'm suggestion. Sorry. I love when that When did one. you think our podcast was balanced? Right. <laughs> well, also, no. Well, can we come <laughs> like, on your no. Spuffy fan page for balance? And like the the just like saying holding space as if you're like like saying that makes it sound like you know I'm like you know not making room for queer people on the po- it's like no you like a character give me a break <laughs> it's co-opting yeah. terms right yes, you, we're yes. actually appropriating this language and misusing it yes and if people do that in general online I think on social media people weaponize progressive language and therapy speak yes and like ugh. but yeah and then. And then the person said, like, you know, well, you know, if you were nicer, people wouldn't be mean to you. And I said, but they don't have to follow me. That's the thing. Is- if yeah. you would just smile more, Ian. <laughs> right? yeah. Ian, maybe if your skirt wasn't so short, you wouldn't get harassed <laughs> the way you are. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> it just makes me laugh because it is like this form of entitlement, right? It's like you think that you're entitled to get onto my podcast that I created to share my opinions, which may not be your opinions, or you might not share them, but it's still my platform to share. And to just be like, well, you're not giving me enough of what I like to hear. So therefore, yep. I can't listen to you, or therefore, you need to make space for me. And I find that very interesting. Well, and I've seen comments um, where people are like, oh, I'm looking for uh, a new Buffy podcast to listen to. Can you recommend one to me? Um, but I want to make sure that they're not too hard on Spike or, you know, like they're not negative about Spike or something. And sometimes they'll be like, I tried listening to Prophecy Girls or somebody will comment to be like, well, don't listen to Prophecy Girls. I've actually seen both of us mentioned in a comment about that. Like, don't listen to Slayer Vest and Prophecy Girls. Then. <laughs> right. Wow. I'm like, fine. Yeah, that's Bye-bye. fine. But it's also like that. that's going back to what we were saying in the charges for this trial, right? Which is 
if you're deliberately trying to find um, this prosumer, you know, commentary content about this show that you love, this fandom that you love, that echoes your views instead of challenging you a little bit, that is okay. That is a valid choice to make. Yeah. But maybe reflect on why you're making that choice. What is it about, in this case, Spuffy, but it could be other fan, uh, other aspects of fandom that you feel is so precious to you that you can't stand to hear somebody having a different opinion about it. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. Just food for thought. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite TikToks <laughs> was when, um, so, so Car and I did Fool for Love, or we did one of these season five episodes, and um, we got a lot of negative feedback from, I'll say Spuffies, for coming down on Spike, for being rude about him, for, you know, basically for not. The- it's so sorry just to butt in for one moment Steph. Yeah. it was i think the ending for fool for love where we criticized spike coming to buffy to to kill her and then sitting <laughs> down and comforting her and it's also when you posted how you were looking forward to the scene in i think forever where angel comforts buffy right yes um and people came for us about that because they're like well he's you know he's being toxic and creepy but spike coming to kill buffy with a shotgun and then sitting down next to her to comfort her is fine it's just like so 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 i i put out a tiktok and the it's i think people don't understand that tiktok is like you just take sounds and clips that already exist and you just yeah, yeah. you warp them into something that matters to your page so the saying was um the rats are absolutely gonna hate this announcement but the rats don't run the city we do and i did that for the spoppies that were coming for me and for Kara online. Um, and then people took that and were like, she's calling Spuffies out. And like, that was on me for just thinking that was really hilarious and putting it out there. But it's like, no, but you started it. <laughs> like we we were never coming for any shipping people um, until you came out of the woodwork first. I, oh, yeah. I've been radicalized against <laughs> Spuffy. I, I've come out as saying, I am not pro-Bangel, but I am definitely anti-Spuffy now. And I wasn't that way. I, I, I'm increasingly anti-Spike, but I wasn't anti-Spuffy until the Spuffies came for me. And now I'm just like, you made me. And I realized that in other contexts, that's not a good thing to say, but <laughs> you, you've made me anti-Spuffy. They made their own <laughs> monsters, really. Well, I remember, I and I don't even remember what post this was, but I remember posting on like my Instagram story because like a bunch of Spuffy people were furious at I pick a post. And I remember posting it on my Instagram story and like five other Buffy accounts were like, yeah, we don't post about Spike because they get so angry and like they get so like unhinged about their love. And they like mm-hmm. this one this one account that just talks about the outfits of every main character was like, people get mad at me because I haven't posted about Spike. He's not even in the credits yet where I am in the show with the outfits. Wow. And people will get mad at me because I'm not talking about what Spike's wearing. Oh, so he wears like the same outfit for like six episodes <laughs> in a row. <laughs> leather coat and a velvet shirt. Like I had James Marsters on and I had the first time I had him on, people tweeted to him to say, oh, they actually hates Buffy so you shouldn't go on and it's like as if he cares yeah one he doesn't give a (laughs) shit and like two as if like that means I'm gonna be like the 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 wildest debate we ever had was um when we did Chosen and we talked about what do we think I do think Spike I I think Buffy love loves him I think loved him I don't know I we had to talk about it and like I think half the co-hosts were like I think she has love for him but she's maybe not in romantic love like she has a love for him and i was like okay i could buy that that makes sense 
I did the episode with my mom. My mom is a devoted... My mom landed when we did Chosen together with... Buffy deserves two boyfriends and they're Buffy and Angel. They both have to love her. And my mom... Oh, we, we love a polyamorous shipping <laughs> right. mom. That's great. And like, my mom was like, but Spike was an asshole because he didn't say I love you back. He shouldn't have said, no, you don't. Um, she didn't like that. She wanted him to just say, I love you back. My mom loves my mom loved romance novels. And so I posted that scene and I said, what does everyone think? Did Buffy love him or what do you think it was? Oh my God, you would have thought I said like Spike should die here. She should have chopped his head off. And like, even I had someone who loves Which Buffy I've on. Which I literally said all throughout season six. <laughs> right. And like later I had someone on who is a big Buffy shipper, Kat Robichaud. She's great. She's a performer in San Francisco. And she tweeted about it. And like two people were like, oh, well, he said that she didn't love him. So I almost got blocked because I said she loved him. And I was like, no, you were an asshole. That's yes. why you got blocked. Like, yeah, it's an opinion. I think she loved him. I'm not saying she didn't. I'm asking people. And Sailor was subtweeted the most we've ever been subtweeted just because of that. And it's like, <sighs> like, look, like, I, I think people... <laughs> If you got blocked by me or by Ian, it's not because of your opinion. It's probably the likelihood that you were harassing us with your opinion and being mean. Like I've, I've blocked people for a lot less. Like if someone, I think recently someone wrote on a TikTok, like, oh, she's just obsessed with Angel and just, she just envisions Angel and her in bed together. And I was like, the fuck? So I just like blocked you. Right. Cause like, the, well, like, that's creepy. right. That's weird. That's weird. So if you're being weird, yeah, I'm going to block you. It's not because you're a spuffy fan. <laughs> um, on the subject of kind of like other ships in the show, Yes, you brought this sorry. up a bit earlier. No, that's no, that's fine. Like, Spuffy deserves it, Ian. <laughs> um, but I, I want to bring up in relation to this idea of, of, you know, whom should Buffy end up with? You brought up earlier how you love now that you're older, Angel slash Cordelia. Yeah. And it, it's interesting to me how uh, when it comes to the Bangel ship, I don't see Bangel shippers being as toxic as Buffy in general. And maybe I don't see it as much because people think we're pro Bangel. So they don't come yeah, for us. I as was going to say, let, let's be fair that like the likelihood of them coming for us online is a lot lower because right. I like Angel so much. Yeah. But my understanding from what little I've seen online is that if Bangel shippers are going to be toxic, often it will be towards Angel Cordelia shippers. And they'll be like, well, how dare you ship Angel with Cordelia? Buffy is Bay, right? And it's like, what do you think about that, Ian? I, I actually haven't seen that, but probably it's weird, right? Because now I'm going to really get people riled up. We made fun of Angel every fucking week on our Angel coverage and never get, no one's ever mad at us, mm. ever. Because he deserves it. <laughs> and he does, right? He's a fucking mopey fucking 300 year old. And it's like, oh God, stop being so dramatic. And like, we make fun of that all the time on our podcast. Me, all the co-hosts, we always are joking about how fucking like mopey and angsty teen this like 100 year old is. No one ever gets mad at us. And like, I even use that when I was arguing with that person about, you know, you don't make space for Spuffy. I was like, we make fun of Angel every week though. And no one gets mad. So I haven't actually seen anyone get mad about that's, that's good to know maybe i'm wrong maybe i just well saw no, one I'm post sure. and was like oh this is what sure Angel it, does but i'm sure it's happened but i've have seen people just like hate the idea of cordelia and angel together because they hate cordelia 
I have seen yeah, that. Right, sure. Again, internalized massage. I've that's a whole other conversation about Cordelia, yeah. <laughs> right? We'll have we'll have you on for a Cordelia episode one of these days. The, so back to what you just said, Steph. I the only I never block someone for an opinion other than the other day I did block someone for their opinion because it was like TV deaths that, you know, you never got over. And I posted a picture of, I was like, I got four. And it was like Cordy, Tara, uh, Joyce, and Fred. And yes. some someone replied saying, no, I was glad when Cordy was written off the show. She was the worst character and I blocked them. I've never yeah. done that before, but I was like, no, fuck you. Keep it, keep it. You know what? This, these are our platforms and I could do whatever I want. I could block <laughs> anybody I want. It's whatever. True. Um, <laughs> but no, no, I, I feel like, sometimes when it comes to spike apologists to spike defenders they're often defending the rape the attempted rape and in that case i would i I, i've often deleted comments because i think they're harmful yes Yes. well that's our responsibility exactly as a moderator we're hosting a platform for discussion we have to be if we want to be inclusive and we want to welcome people we have to clamp down on the stuff that could be toxic. And I've been called out for that too, where they're like, oh, why do you delete? Me too, yes. Why do you delete comments that are in defense of Spike? And I don't even reply to them because I'm like, it should go without saying, um, I don't tolerate people who are defending the rapist on my page. I don't. So that's going to go. I think if you're giving an actual argument that is sound and calm, (laughs) right, And, and not problematic, then that stays. Right. And I'll, sometimes I let other people deal with it. Right. But but yeah. often it's the type of arguments that are coming on behalf of Spike that deeply unsettle me. And that can lead to a block that can lead to a delete for sure. Yeah. 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 No, I Steph, it's funny. I was before you said that I was going to say I've had people be like, look, you deleted comments. You don't even want to hear what we have to say. And it's like, you know, because you're defending rape. Like, yeah. I've, I've heard why. what you had to say and I yeah. don't like it. And it's my page at the end of the day. And I don't want to read. If it's upsetting me, then it's upsetting people that follow me. And that's my responsibility. And to clarify, it's not us deleting comments defending Spike. It's literally specifically yeah. defending rape. Yes. There is yeah. a difference. <laughs> yep. Yep. Or when they say like, you know, oh, Buffy bought into that, right? But like Buffy had that coming. Ooh, that gets a delete. That gets a block probably. <laughs> I've, I've, heard, I've seen people be like, well, their, their relationship was just abusive. And it's yeah. like, okay. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Are are we ready to render our verdict here? Do you have any other submissions of evidence for prosecution or defense? I do I do want to say one thing about shippers though. I feel like the Willow Tara shippers are the best. Like I feel like the Willow Tara oh. are our chill. Like it's like chill queer folks that like they're probably my favorite couple. And I do understand there are some people who are like, Willow there's Willow is very problematic, and she is. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe, I think Willow and Tara still are my favorite couple. Well, but the Willow and Tara shippers really recognize Willow's problematic stuff and and reckon with it and and debate it within their own community, right? And I think that's a sign of, you know, healthy subcultures when you own your shit and you're like, yeah, Willow and Tara's relationship is really flawed. And and should they have gotten back together? Maybe not. We still ship them, but we, right? And it's like, it's that self-awareness and that acknowledgement. That's all we ask for from fans, right? We ask that you're self-aware. That's that's it. Uh, I I would say that, like, I I ship. I ship on on other shows, on, like, other media platforms, and it's fun. And it can be a lot of fun. It's just when you can't admit when something's problematic, when you have to go out of your way to harass people that have a different opinion than yours that's when it gets toxic so there's a there is a fine line and i think that it it takes away from people's enjoyment of a ship when you have other 
people who are maybe on your team, maybe not making it harder for people like us who are just out because, here on a bigger platform, right? You know, also I will say like, and this is just to try to be a little bit more balanced. Mm -hmm. There's been a few times when I've like done a spike post and someone's been like, ew, but he tried to write Buffy. And I'm like, you're right. Yes. Like, correct. Um, and I know that a lot of Spuffy people, like part of me can get it a little bit where it's like, if it's like the Willow Tara, like you just said, Kara, if we're saying like, it's, we know it's problematic. We fully agree with that. We still ship. That's okay. And so I will say like, I know that most Spuffy people, their big thing is, but people do that to us. And that is, that is annoying, right? Like, it's like, yeah. just let them like whoever they like, who cares, sure. is how I do feel about all of it. Like, unless it's like racist or like, you know. Even if you ship Buffy and Riley. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, like whatever. Um, I, my old co-host, Riley was his favorite of her boyfriends. Mm. I have a current co-host who doesn't talk about it that much, but like, he's always like, Riley's the least toxic, so he's maybe my favorite. I don't like it's him, true. but I, and he is, like, he, he sucks too. He, <laughs> He's not great. He's kind of boring, but I bet he was good in bed. Good for her. And like, I I don't know. Not everything has to be with shipping sometimes. I think people would get carried away of like, and I know it's like, there's nothing wrong with this, but like Buffy and Buffy, Spike and Angel, I will see both shippers do like weird, like Photoshop wedding photos or like <laughs> sexy photos of them, like cuddled in bed together. And it's like, I don't know. That's weird. Um, but there's nothing wrong with it. And they're having fun. Like, yeah, I feel like, as, like if you're just doing that for fun, you know, like I said, Elysian Field, she's so nice. And like, she's just having fun, right? She's doing fan fiction. They're having fun. There is nothing wrong with anyone who is just having fun and i feel like just leave everyone alone like if you don't like it that's fine keep moving she's, that's i think that's the key right it's just like if you don't agree move on there's there's yeah. there's places for you to go where people are going to be like you're yeah. right you know what i mean yeah. so yeah. sorry i just wanted to throw in to try to be a little fair <laughs> no but again we're not here to only ship on spuffy people it's just that these this is actual evidence this is actual things that have happened to us yeah. that we can speak to it's not like um i've collected stories only from bangel fans this has actually happened to Kara and i on our platforms and to ian on his so that's yeah. why we can talk about it this way so the time has come for us to render our verdict on the buffy fandom and whether or not it can engage in toxic behavior, whether or not it sometimes creates echo chambers. What do we want to say about this? What's our final word Guilty. on the Buffy fandom? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wasted no time there. Steph has rendered a guilty verdict. It is guilty of fostering toxic behavior, but also awesome behavior. <laughs> that's fair. I was going to say, is there a verdict that's like in the middle? Can I be like the wishy-washy one that's like, it's both guilty and not guilty? <laughs> Absolutely, so, right? So it we... comes down to being guilty and then what do we sentence it to, right? That's that's mm, the key. Okay. Yeah, so, so I agree. <laughs> I think the fandom is guilty. Um, there is no question about it. So I, I, you are, you're exactly right, Steph. I think it is the question of, in terms of sentencing, right? What do we think we could do differently as fans. And I don't know if the three of us as podcast hosts and therefore, and I hate this term, influencers, yeah. um, have a responsibility in that in this process. You know, maybe we could come out at this from the lens of restorative justice, right? Where it's like, we're not gonna jail all the fans. Um, but it's like, <laughs> how do we make amends? How do we how do we deal with the harm that has been done? I think we've already touched on a couple of things, like maybe just don't come into our mentions uh, <laughs> if, if you're just going to harass us because you disagree. But 
how can we shift this conversation? What do you think we could do? First of all, six months of rat prison for every single fan <laughs> of a fan of. Um, <laughs> no, I think I, 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 maybe it sounds like a cop out, but I'm like, we're doing the best we can already. I'll use myself as an example. I come down hard on Spike because I genuinely feel like he's an abuser. And I've championed Angel because I genuinely feel like he's trying his best uh, when he was on the show. Wait, where was I going with that? <laughs> <laughs> um what, what can we do differently? Oh right, right, right. <laughs> but but we keep our channels open, right? The platform is open to hear everybody's opinions, whether you agree or yes. not. We have a Discord, we have our social media posts, we have comment sections, people slide into the DMs every day, and people email us every day, often with challenging thoughts or ways that are like, you said this. But did you think about this? Or I heard your opinion on this. Don't agree. And here's why. That is healthy fandom. We have had essays from people who ship Spuffy, who people who are Spike fans that have respectfully disagreed and said, here's why A, B, and C. And we have read that out on the pod. Or we have shared that, uh, that idea elsewhere in our in our socials or wherever and i think that is what we as podcast hosts who have a responsibility to the fandom can keep doing for everybody yeah i have nothing to add to that well done uh yeah i just my thing is just don't be an asshole that's always my <laughs> thing is like it's a show it's okay if we have different like differing opinions um as long as it's not like we should kill buffy like i don't know as long as it's like i like this character better okay i mean like i yeah. I don't know. I I feel very much like I love this show. I love every part of it. So because I love every part of it, I have I have to be able to acknowledge it has problematic parts. Like I I just like I can't pretend that something just because I love it is flawless. Like I don't I I would think I would say things you know even modern shows that I love that are take place now are still have things that are like oh, I wish they wouldn't have that or like oh I wish this was different. It doesn't mean I don't love it. We all love the same thing. Yeah. So I guess. I would go to sentencing wise. I feel like overall we have so many, I did, I have like 10 other examples I didn't even use in this conversation. <laughs> I still would only give the Buffy fandom like a minor fine. We're not, we're not ah. for jail. We're for restorative Whoa. justice. I feel like I would just give like a $500 fine. Maybe like a parking ticket. <laughs> yeah. no, you should find them. Like you have to write one nice thing about something you disagree with. <laughs> Yes, yes, there you go. Um, (laughs) I know like one of the charges was like, does the Phantom create echo chambers? I want to say, yes, like guilty. Yes. Here we are. Yes, here we are. Yes, here we are doing it now. And then one time I got a comment from somebody saying, enjoy your echo chamber. And my reply was, thank you. (laughs) Because sometimes while we are guilty of it, that is part of the fun of fandom. Right. You find yeah. like minded people who are just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they like bounce your opinion right back at you. And it feels great. Um, so we are guilty of that. But that does, doesn't necessarily mean we need to be sentenced just don't do for it, it all the time. Sure. Or like be open to other people's hmm. opinions. Right. Well, I mean, Steph, just like like you saying, like you prefer Angel with Buffy. And I, I genuinely do prefer Spike, even though I criticize him like I do. Yeah. It's just I can criticize things I love. And like you and I aren't like, oh, go fuck your mom. Like, I don't know. It's like, well, and, and, and Steph and I disagree on the podcast all the time. And in fact, I think some of our best discussions have been where we don't see eye to eye about something and we talk about it. And 
it's not about trying to convince the other person that we're right. It's about this is my perspective and I want to hear your perspective. And we both come away from the conversation richer for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our differences make us stronger. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> okay. I think that's it. Any final thoughts on fandom on trial? Good times. Yes. Good times. Yeah. Do you feel good, Ian? You really let some stuff off your chest there. I know. I really did. <laughs> I feel like this is like Buffy therapy. therapy. For Buffy um, podcast therapy. We can, we can do, we can meet again and do Buffy therapy. Um, well, we Ian, didn't, before um, we go. Wait, Cara, we didn't, uh, we didn't put ourselves on like our our uh, verdict on whether prophecy girls is toxic or not <laughs> oh well, i believe the internet has spoken and we are <laughs> i believe i believe we all hate we hate buffy and that's that um <laughs> and we all hate prophecy girls in slayer fest 98 that- right that, that says reddit so we are going to spend a year in rat prison after we're done rat um, prison <laughs> Do Carl and I have to go to rap prison? Yes. Rap prison is the new restorative justice. <laughs> I don't know, Ian, just just PS. We're taking rat prison because Amy was in rat prison for three years. Because when she came out and she was a bitch, we were like, well, she already served her time as a rat. So <laughs> she did her time before like real prison, it made her a worse person. So. <laughs> um. so before we go, Ian, obviously, you know, you've already talked about Slayer Fest. Um Is there anything else that you would like to shamelessly plug to our listeners? Where can they find you if they would like to harass you? Please don't harass you. That was a joke. Uh, you can find SlayerFest98 on all social media platforms at SlayerFestX98. You can find us on Patreon as well, um, where we're going through Buffy Season 3. Ooh. Congrats. And if you can't find him, it's because he's already blocked you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for being here, Ian. It's been so thank wonderful. Thank you, Steph. Um, I was nervous to do this episode, but as always, you know, you, you help me grow and you push me. Oh. Me? I push you? Absolutely. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> our final thing to do is to thank all of our supporters on Buy Me a Coffee, especially our chosen ones. Emma, Kyle, Destiny, Erica, Allison, Jace, Haley, Tasha, Ricky, Amy, and Rochelle. Lizzie, Holly, Kayla, Jordan, Julian, Nicola, Luis, Joshua, Reese, Susanna, and Jasmine. Goodbye, Buffy fans. We will catch you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join us in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook prophecy underscore girls on twitter also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website prophecygirls.ca where you can find the link to our discord can't wait to hear from you praise malik see you next week